0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: believe. Welcome in to another edition of the J Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin. I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how is life treating you?
0: Life is treating me well, and it's uh, glad. I'm, I'm glad to see you over a computer screen after seeing your face a little bit too much this past weekend. Sorry, that was rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a fantastic weekend hanging out with you in Lexington, Virginia. We were able to hit up a women's basketball game. We were able to hit up yeah. Three Notch Valley Collab House. We learned an awesome new cardboard game called Campy Creatures that I just showed oh, yeah. in with Eva. So uh, a fantastic weekend that was really enjoyable as we celebrated a good friend of ours. uh, Weekend of Love, as I described it.
1: Yes, the Weekend of Love won. The women's basketball team won. The men's basketball team won.
0: And then lost. They won one. They won one. I guess
1: the women's team also won one. So Yeah, but their uh, win was
0: cooler. Their win was more impressive. Their win was more important.
1: (laughs) It's true. And we got to visit Three Notched which was an absolute thrill.
0: Which is where I picked up this four-pack, this yes. Raku Juicy IPA, an in India Pale Ale, uh, brewed with Raku hops. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, we got to experience all 14 beers they have on draft there at the Valley Collab House.
1: Uh, yeah, I personally didn't experience all 14 when I was there, but... Uh, you know what I mean. I had a good time. <laughs> no, it was awesome. I love going there. They've got some great... Some great drinks in Harrisonburg there worth visiting. In the board game collection is more impressive than I remember.
0: Um, yes, it seems like they add to it every time. And if you're there, please play shoots and ladders and let us know if it is more difficult than you remember it as a kid.
1: I think it was hard, man. I was going up (laughs) the wrong side. A lot of shoots. Did you win or did Eva win? I think Eva won. Yeah, and I
0: I never made it past 35.
1: No, you were struggling. It was a, a woeful performance from yourself, but not a lot of
0: And you know what else has been a woeful performance of mine? My sports betting no. at BetOnline. I mean, I'm, this isn't me saying don't sports bet, but this is me saying sports bet responsibly because uh, your boy is down a lot of units as of late. BetOnline remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Live betting options, free contests, live scores to keep up to date for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to a website, I think where they wrote in head to website, it was supposed to say betonline.ag <laughs> and I, uh, I read website. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use promo code believe promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus. You uh, make an account, you deposit $100, you'll get a $50 free bet sitting in there waiting for you betonline.ag where the game starts
1: i had a uh speaking of betting had a tough bad beat today oh bet on uh florida state men's basketball plus 3.5 against miami they're down Why about you... 30
0: <laughs> yeah i saw that that's Why a tough you... one man that's
1: <laughs> a couple
0: bounces 10 threes go in and that game's yeah. all knotted up before so... we jumped on this to record i was watching the uh, notre dame nc state game Oh, is that bad? At 1. Po- no, but it, it's actually a really good game, but NC really? State went on like a 17 to 2 run at one point. Yeah. And opened up like a 15 point something crazy. And then Notre Dame climbed all the way back and I think it's nearly tied at halftime. That's good stuff. Yeah. We love It was a lot of fun. Here. Yeah. We start men's team, we start women's team. I think we start this week with women's because we were yeah. at the game, we can kind of break it down. We watched Peyton McDaniel take her dislocated finger, put it back into place. Let's start there. And yeah. then I think the very next possession drills a three, but Peyton McDaniel named a Sunbelt player of the week. Third JMU Duke to be named that this season along with Jefferson and Kozlova, but McDaniel, I don't think we're talking. I mean, blow for blow and heavyweight bout number three on Troy. I have to look up what her name was. But her and McDaniel and even Kiki in the fourth quarter going blow for blow with each other, that was one of the most fun basketball games I've ever been at.
1: So much fun. Like, the two best teams, in my opinion, in the Sun Belt, like you mentioned, going blow for blow. Kiki Jefferson felt like she was having a really quiet performance, then you look up and she finishes with 21. But McDaniel is unbelievable from three. Kobe King away at some really nice moves. Offensively? Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, Who? Kobe. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She's very good. But McDaniel is like a superstar offensively. So it was was really fun to watch her in person play. The whole offense was awesome. I thought the atmosphere, there was, I guess they reported over 3,000 fans attended. Atmosphere was awesome. I thought that the student attendance was really minimal, but like the... Maybe surprised at how, like, amped were, like, the 50-year-old men in attendance. Like, there were people that were really getting into it that, yeah. like, when the game tipped off, I did not think would be really into it, which was Specifically
0: awesome. Specifically, my geography gen ed teacher, professor, <laughs> who is a few seats down away from us, uh, Micaiah Hallman. I think she she put on a first. show, man believe she went off for 33 and hit two threes in the final four seconds.
1: Yeah, Jamie, you probably should (laughs) have won by like eight at the end, and there were some other points where they could have pulled away, but like Troy's got
0: a good team for sure. A team that thrives in the mid-range. They said, I see your analytics, and I shove it because we're just going to play in the mid-range. That was, oh gosh, what a fun game. But McDaniel was just
1: nailing threes, like just stupid shooting ability and yeah late i guess it was the fourth quarter i think or i think it was the fourth quarter it was the fourth yeah late in the game they kind of stop and she's going over the bench and she's making like this face that looked like honestly like i thought she was about to cry she was clearly in a ton of pain going to the bench and then she just like stopped making that face looked over and was like oh it was dislocated saying that to the bench shakes her hand and they're like do you want to come out she like waves him off and then nails a three like 30 seconds later. it was insane to have that level of toughness and then also be like, oh, I'm going to like try to score and not like play off the ball for like five possessions.
0: Yeah, and then kind of like during that time too, Kiki then scores seven straight points, uh, tries to assist on like a ninth, but it doesn't end up working out. But just like absurd, absurd level of play. From everyone in that game. I'm trying to pull up the box score so we can break down exactly what happened in it. But, I mean, it wasn't Kozlova's best game, and they still managed to beat the, the second-best team in the Sun Belt. Granted, they did have another worldly performance from McDaniel. They had a really, really good performance from Kiki Jefferson. But it's got to feel really good that you were able to take down Troy and with what's been your second-best scoring option over the last month and a half wasn't your second-best scoring option in this game.
1: Yeah, it's just they've got some impressive depth that I didn't necessarily appreciate at the beginning of the season. They're really finding their groove. The other thing we always harped on was like, oh, they turn it over too much, and they
0: had 19, which is a lot. 21 assists, 10 for Jermond. Jermond was dishing them out. I think also it helps that when your team is hitting the shots. right. It makes the assist number look a lot better. What McDaniel, six of eleven from three, four of five from the free throw line, nine of sixteen overall, and in 28 minutes had 28 points.
1: Yeah, I was just super impressed with with all of them. I mean, they're just so like McDaniel and Jefferson is an insane one-two punch, and then Kozlova's stupid <laughs> efficient in the post. It was a game where like I thought they could have played Hayes Elmore. She played 13 minutes. Thought she probably could have played a little more. I know she had some foul trouble at times, but um, like she's a really good option and super athletic and creator shot. And she only played 13 minutes. You know what I mean? Like they just have so many options. Claire Nef's F's not doing a lot scoring recently, but she's pretty, uh, you feel her presence defensively and, and crashing the glass most games.
0: Yeah. And they shot a really, really solid 37.9% from behind the arc held up by Peyton's six of 11, but they shot 45%. Uh, from the floor, a 58% mark on the floor in the fourth quarter, which yeah, if you think really good. I mean, the way the game ended, it's a one point game. You got to assume if they aren't going seven of 12 from the floor, if they go, if they shoot 58, per, if they shoot 50% from the floor and go six of 12, they very well may lose that game. So just really, really impressive, uh, performances start to finish front to back. And compounding with all of that was a loss the game before against Georgia Southern where it was a weird play call at the end with kind of giving it to Kiki to just drive into the lane to try and make a contested layup with three Georgia Southern defenders all over her. And then to bounce back from your first loss in 14 games to go out at home in front of your home crowd, feed off that energy, and take down the best team in the Sun Belt. The team in the Sun Belt that's been kind of the cream of the crop until the Dukes came into it. It's really, really impressive. And it makes me really excited for this team.
1: McDaniel's 11th nationally in three point shooting percentage at 40, like just over 45%, which is so sweet. We're like, the beginning of the year, she wasn't playing much because she was still like coming off the injury kind of. And we're like, ah, oh, we just, I don't know about the scoring. Like, I don't know if it's there. I did not realize, and I've said this before, like, just how gifted McDaniel is as a scorer. Like her shot is so good. It's It's so quick. quick, Yes. It's such a quick release where, and there's no like hesitation. Like sometimes you have like a decent shooter who's like maybe a little, you know, they're not trying to force themselves into the action. No, like McDaniel catches it open from three and she's pulling the trigger and like making it almost half the
0: time. You know who else is doing that? And it's really fun to watch. Not as clean of a shot, not as quick of a shot but it's whenever they get the ball, they're going to do something with it. Kobe King. Hoeya. Yeah. (laughs) Like what she finished the game four of nine, one of five from three was not afraid to jacket a few of those. I wish she probably held in her back pocket and dribbled it out a little bit, but Uh, not afraid, not afraid. Drive, drive into the baseline, weird, like runner floaters that had no on them look like ear punk shots. Just like, complete straight into and just went in. but the mix between her and Peyton McDaniel really really fun to watch even though it might uh, kind of make you want to pull your hair out at times but combined they went uh 13 of 25.
1: King Away's skip passes are also sweet.
0: Kobe King Away her pass is a skip pass. She doesn't that's, believe that's she doesn't believe in you know passing along and keeping that ball movement. She goes Oh, I'm in the far right corner. I'm going to throw it to the other far left corner and just hope McDaniel's there. Like, just complete over-the-head bullet passes.
1: It was so sweet, though, because, like, their spacing, when they had, like, McDaniel, Kingauea, and Kiki, like, some two of three or three of three on the floor, was stupid good. Like, offensively, it's unreal, because you've got multiple shooters, but they can also drive. You mentioned Kingauea has she kind of has like i think coach o actually said this it might have been on the jmu sports blog podcast a while back that she kind of has like an like an old man ymca game where she's not like blowing by you and like elevating toward the rim but like she has some moves that are just stupid where it's like oh she has like the kobe fadeaway on the baseline like <laughs> all right that's cool <laughs> like there's just a lot of different things that she can do offensively to make the team better and you surround her with mcdaniel and jefferson who are like legitimately two of the best players in the Sun Belt. You've got a pretty dynamic offensive group. And then they have a few others who are probably a little bit better defensively, so they have to kind of mix and match the lineups, but it's a good group.
0: And I think why Kobe king has saw more minutes in this game than she had in the last few, and Hazel may have seen her minutes kind of get pulled back just a bit. When Troy would deploy the 2-3 zone and Hazel was in there, and this is not a slight against Hazel. I think it's just their different play styles. Yeah. They kind of struggled to break it and find ways through. And then when they brought Kobe King Hawea in, they just kind of broke that press. And I think it was because of the skip passes where King Hawea would drive, have it collapse, and she's not afraid to just kick it out. I mean, she finished the game with two turnovers, no assists. So you don't necessarily love that. Um, You don't also necessarily love how she passes. She likes to jump and then pass kind of, jeremy lynn during Lin sanity uh but i think that might be why we saw more kobe king hauea than we saw Jamea hazel there in that game against troy
1: i'd be willing to bet she had three to five hockey assists there were a couple where it was like skip yeah. pass someone yeah. else made a pass or something or like drove and got a good good look there were there are one or two for sure where she left her feet and it was like oh that that's probably a turnover now <laughs> but there are also a couple where it was like oh my god like that's pretty impressive court vision so it was it was yeah. super fun to watch in person too, because you could like kind of see where she was thinking she was gonna go with the skip pass, where maybe you wouldn't have noticed on the broadcast. And it was just like, wow, she's really good offensively. Like I think defensively it's probably not like her, her strong suit, um, where like Claire and F or someone else can can maybe give you a little more there. But offensively, the shooting, the ball handling, the passing, it's a pretty hilarious and fun combination when she's got other scorers around her.
0: And my last point on this, if you're in the Harrisonburg area or if you're planning to go to the Harrisonburg area, the women's basketball games are damn fun. So, if you can, I highly urge you to go. Tickets are like $3 and a bag of chips. So, if you can figure it out, I highly recommend getting your way to Harrisonburg and watching this team this year because it's fun.
1: So fun. They got three home games left. I wish it was more. They got a bunch on the road here, but... They're they're worth checking out for sure. Louisiana, Arkansas State, and Marshall in February. Those are going to be some darn fun games. And they also have a couple in the like Atlanta area. If you're an alumni in that that region, they've got a road game against ODU. They're so much fun to watch. They're, like they just play a very fun style that earlier in the year was not fun because they're trying to kind of play fast and do these things. But instead of like completing skip passes, they're turning it <laughs> over. But now with like a healthy roster. It's so fun to
0: watch. Yeah. You know, who's not as fun to watch. I'm still high on the men's. I'm team. not, I don't you're know not. what team you're watching. Cause I don't think we're watching the same one. Men's go one and one over the weekend and over their first overtime win of the season. So maybe luck is changing. Uh, they took down Troy 89, 87 in overtime. They trailed by 15 at one point, I believe, in the second half. Stormed all the way back to tie it, We're headed to overtime. Vado Morse nailed a what I thought was a three, but I guess it was a the foot was on the line and they're giving yeah. it to him as a two. It doesn't matter because it was the game winner. Um somehow goes in, hits the back iron, just completely <laughs> just dies and falls in. And to uh make and then to kind of really use that momentum into the next game. Uh, They then get blown out by 13 against Southern Miss, and it was never really that close. And now they head into a two-game homestand against Coastal and Louisiana Monroe. But how important, Bennett, was that win over Troy so they didn't go 0-2 this weekend, which they were staring at dead in the face? That
1: would have been tough. It's it's a good one. Troy's a solid Sunbelt team, it's a nice road win. Like, it's they've got some good road wins. Like, Marshall and Troy are are quality road wins.
0: Yeah, which is uh, hilarious that then they've lost to Texas State and App State at home.
1: Those suck. And then the other one, too, where it's like, oh, maybe South Alabama is like a solid team. Then after they play JMU, they lost three in a row, which maybe it's a, what is it, the 49ers effect where they're so worn down from playing (laughs) JMU. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. They can't even hang in there. No, but it, that was a big one to get that win. It was nice to see a close game go their way. And then maybe equally disappointing to have a double-digit loss in the ensuing game, but I think Southern Miss is probably the best team. I think they can compete when fully healthy with, like, Marshall. I think they might be the best team in the Sun Belt.
0: Yeah, because Southern Miss has been actually not healthy for, like, this entire season. And then I forgot who they got back. DeAndre Pickney, was it? They,
1: I think he's been around. It was – um Neftali Alvarez, who's apparently like a freakishly
0: good guard. Yeah, so they got him back. They're back to being fully healthy, and they're currently 104 in Ken Palm. Marshall is 75, so every day that Marshall Road win is looking better and better. But then some of those other losses are looking worse and worse. And Yeah, I agree. I think that win over Troy was massive, so they didn't go 0-2 over this weekend. But at the same time, and I don't want to sound – Maybe I have to be, because you're a little too high on this team. Maybe I will be just kind of the rainy on the parade type of person. Um they shouldn't have won that game. It should have gone to double overtime and they should have lost. Like that Vato shot had no business going in. And JMU fans got so hype over it. And I get they're one of the unluckiest teams in the nation, so it was bound to change. Their luck was bound to change. But I almost would have rather that been a Valpo the Valpo game. Like the shot to win the Valpo game or the, a shot to win the Texas state game. Like I know that sounds weird and it would have been the same record, but they had no business winning that Troy game.
1: They kind of pulled one out of their, out of their butt. Right. <laughs> I mean, they were down eight with like three minutes left and they forced overtime with a mezzy miss three that he rebounded yes. himself. It was a sweet play, but yeah, they they definitely got the most out of that one. That's one that I would not have expected their luck to switch in because it seemed like they could have lost by 10. They didn't, so credit to them, and they've shown a good a good fight this year. I think the thing that's becoming kind of alarming to me is Ken Palm will even break it down by, like, quarters of the game. They're kind of, like, getting smoked out of the gates in some of these games where, like, they fight their yes. way back, but the slow starts, especially in the road, you can't just, like, spot a team that's kind of equal to you 10 points. And, and, and Brian brings
0: that. this up every game, or there was a point where there was, like, a four-game stretch where we were texting our friend Brian – And he was just like, these slow starts are killing us.
1: Yeah, I think it's four in a row where they've been down a a noteworthy margin um, or or three out of the last four or something like that uh, in the first like 10 minutes. And it's, I don't know, you can't spot a team a huge lead. Like against Southern Miss, they just never like cut into it.
0: Yeah. And this is also a team that I've been told was built to make threes and to shoot threes. And yet they are one of the worst teams. They are the worst team in the Sun Belt in making threes. They make 29.2% of threes in conference play, by far the worst margin in the entire Sun Belt. And not only are they getting blown out to start these games, they have no way to stop the bleeding because they are one of the worst teams in conference play in stopping the two point shot. They are. And they don't block either. Out of the 14 teams, they are 13th in allowing a 51% shooting percentage from inside the three-point line. They are also – where's effective field goal percentage? Ninth out of 14 teams in effective field goal percentage, allowing a 49.4%. That scares me.
1: It's it's kind of frustrating a little bit, right? Because they've built a roster – that is smaller than most teams.
0: You can say it. They're tiny.
1: And they're one of the – I mean, they're, they're right there with, I guess, Troy shooting it horribly from three in conference play too. But they're right there with, like, Texas State, which has been just abysmal offensively all year, in conference play shooting. And you look at some of these, like, you don't even have to shoot it that well. Like, Marshall in Louisiana, Marshall's shooting, like, 35% from three in conference play, and they have the best um, efficiency – according to Kempom, during conference games because they're not turning the ball over a gazillion. Like, Jamie, turns it over too much. They're small. The small team's not that great at three-point shooting. And then defensively, their lack of size kills them in the paint. So if they don't force a turnover defensively, yes. they're getting killed, which is the same thing that happened last year. So we said, all right, like, fix that in the offseason. And they did. they just didn't. Like they added Mezzi, who's a really good player, and Friedel, who's a good player, but was essentially a replacement for Chuck Fall that I think he's a can do more offensively, but he hasn't had his best season. To not get a shot blocker when you know that
0: like that is a huge way to improve your two point defense, to me, was a huge miss. It is- not only to improve your two point defense, but to improve your two point offense. Like I feel like a big issue too with why their three point percentage is so low it's because teams know this is an analytics-driven team. They're going to shoot the three and go inside. And we know they have no one inside, so let's just defend the three, right? And now their only big body that was a consistent player, that was a starter, that was good on offense and defense in Alonzo Sule, he's been out. And according to Byington, you just told this to me, he could play Thursday. He could also miss the rest of the season.
1: <laughs> he gave no clear update in a press conference of what his injury situation is. And it's frustrating too, because like you have really good, Offram and Amadi have good like efficiency numbers. Some of that is because I think Offram's probably got a more developed offensive game. They other teams in the Sun Belt can literally post a guy, throw him the ball in the post, clear out and let the man work. (laughs) Maybe Offram can do that, but he kind of slashes well. Amadi's not doing that. Amadi hasn't done that his entire JMU career. It's not his role, which is fine. I just think there's kind of a deep, deeply flawed roster management, which there has been the whole year. And I think they sort of, they, I'll be honest, they fooled me pretty significantly by playing out of their minds. And some of that in the non-conference when they played out of their minds is they were forcing turnovers at a crazy clip. They're hitting shots at a clip that maybe they're just not actually capable of doing, especially against Sunbelt teams, which are not good, but they are better than like their average non-conference opponent.
0: I agree wholeheartedly, and people who are saying, well, if you look at the entire sample, they're a good three-point shooting team. No, they're not. I'm I'm here to say, and, and correct me if you disagree, but I think the Sunbelt play is a big enough sample to this point, and that sample is telling me they are the 12th best team at shooting the three, hitting it 29.9% of the time. If they're not turning it over, they're not stopping you. And, like, it's just a team that is fundamentally flawed that isn't actually a good three-point shooting team. It's a Division I college basketball team that can hit their shots when you aren't guarding them. That That's it.
1: The, the positive for me that I will say, I think Ken Palm has him as, like, the second toughest in-conference schedule you look like Marshall, Troy, Southern Miss. Those are probably like three of the four best teams in the league. that had to play them all on the road already. They got a stretch here that's extremely winnable. Yes. So I think they can finish the year well and put themselves in position that like, hey, let's play our best basketball and compete for the Sun Belt title. I'm just frustrated because I thought they were almost ready. And I think they kind of fooled me thinking they were ready to like be the team in the Sun Belt, especially after the first two conference games because they do some really nice things defensively and if they had like a shot blocker they would probably have the best defense in the conference they'd probably be like they could be a top 50 defense nationally if they had a shot blocker but they just they decided not to not to get a shot blocker and it is frustrating too because some of it was like oh this is going to fit in the sunbelt this is a style that's going to work in the sunbelt like i know the sunbelt they're small and it's like no, they're getting murdered by big guys game after game.
0: And and fun fact, they have another 6'10", con- a pretty yeah. solid offensive big man they're coming up this weekend against. And just to kind of pile on even more here, their block percentage, which is just a really good indicator of do they have, so- like, do they have someone that's in the lane, clogging up the lane and getting their hand on shots, by far the last place. 5.2% of all shots are blocked.
1: And they're... Best guy in terms of block percentage is Sule, who we don't even know when he'll. Like he's probably their best post defender, and he might be. I don't know. It's just like it's it's really confusing the roster build. Yep, because they have so many guards and wings.
0: Like almost, I would. I would, You can argue too many,
1: to be honest with you. Because like, I would Eon argue Jones...
0: too. I think it is a negative, and I know we talked about it after the Georgia State Marshall weekend. Is it a good thing that they're this deep? Is it awesome that they can run seven, eight, nine, ten guys out there? Is it cool that they can do full platoon swaps? I don't think so anymore. I think it's it's a detriment to this team. And who was I? T- we we met way um at the women's yeah. basketball game, and he was kind of talking about it too. Am I going to go out for five minutes tonight, or am I going out for twenty five minutes tonight? And then you brought like, am I eating a pregame meal where I like <laughs> actually have to try tonight, or like? How am I handling this? And I think it's just messing with everyone at this point that there aren't necessarily defined roles outside of three players. And those aren't even, like, strong roles. It's Friedel, when you get the ball, you can shoot. Vado have fun with it. And call never pass.
1: (laughs) I don't understand the – well, it's (laughs) – It's kind of sweet that like in Ken Palm, I guess it goes, what, like top 500 nationally. If you pop up on one of those statistics, it's pretty sick that they have like seven guards and none of them pop up for assist rate. Like, (laughs) no, I don't know. Like Ian and Strickland are probably your best distributors and their minutes have just been slashed.
0: What, What about the fact that none of the guards have an offense? Is Terrence Edwards listed as a guard or a forward? He's like a wing hybrid, I guess. I guess you could call him a guard, maybe. Well if we're maybe calling him a guard this is for for this point let's call him a forward because no guard ranks in the top 500 in offensive rating either. It's Edwards, Mezzi and Amadi all ranking in the top 500 in offensive rating.
1: They've been super efficient and I mean it, at least like I don't know. You've got Fredon and Morse aren't like turnover fiends, but some of the other guys kind of turn it over a lot. It's just it's a very strange roster build and it it doesn't
0: seem to really be working. I don't. I don't know. I. You, you know I, what else is awesome to see? A three-point lineup made to shoot threes, not have any of their shooters in the top 500 in the nation. Yeah, I mean three that's points. a little bit. That's a little bit alarming. But like,
1: and the other thing too that's that's maybe most frustrating, is that the offense has played a little bit better the last few games. I was looking at. I think it's Evan and the Maya. defense hasn't. Evan maya.com and he has like the efficiency ratings for like offense and defense for each game. And it was like, they had a stretch in there but the offense was doing nothing. Like those 63 to 62 losses where they have two of those offense does anything. They got two wins there. And now it's like the defense getting crushed when the offenses do doing think Southern miss cooked them, cooked them. I mean, it was like, they couldn't buy a stop. They gave up 65% shooting from two which is awful. And then Troy had a pretty good offensive game too, where they shot 60, pretty much 65% from two. Again, it's frustrating because it's like, all right, let's turn them over. And then when they don't, it's like, Oh my God, I wish we had a seven footer who could like <laughs> maybe even consider protecting the rim. Cause they have, I mean, they have no rim protection.
0: How awesome would it be if this team had Zach Eady? <laughs> they don't even need Zach Eady. Give me like a Sunbelt level center. <laughs> it's just
1: tough because it's it's also like it's it's not the players fault. like i think the players are kind of i don't i don't know if they're getting the most out of like what they can be this year but they i think they'll probably go on a little bit of a run here with an easier schedule it's hard because like they have a roster that if they did have a true center or two it'd be like i don't know sule offer and Amadi are not fives like they shouldn't have to play the five they're not fives yeah
0: and it you mentioned it about the schedule, and as I'm as I do these three-notch previews that we'll dive into here in a minute, you kind of notice how the Sun Belt does the schedules. Some of these teams like start with their easies and then end with the hards, like Louisiana Monroe's five and three in Sun Belt play. But the best Sun Belt team they've played is Texas State, and then they're gonna like come up against Southern Miss, JMU, Troy, and it's like, oh, it's just like how the schedules are going. Lost and it. I think
1: every good team they've played, yeah. yeah.
0: And I think JMU's kind of in that same boat. So it's a plus that they were able to take down Marshall and Troy. So mm-hmm. against like the cream of the Sunbelt crop, they're two and one and they're coming up against like the worst part of their schedule. Downside for JMU is that they are two and three against bad Sunbelt teams.
1: <laughs> yes, that's not great. We'll see what they can do. I mean, you've got 10 games left. I think if you don't get at least six of those, it'd be really disappointing, which would put you close to 20 wins. You get six, you got 19 wins. So it's not like a.
0: And six is is winning out at home with just and going one in four in away games.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you could even. Actually, no. Yeah,
0: yeah, you go 4 is winning out at home. Yeah. Which, come on. Come on,
1: go get go get twenty. I mean your
0: wins. home games your home games are Coastal, Louisiana Monroe, uh, ODU, Louisiana, Marshall, and Georgia State. Two of those sound hard. <laughs> right. And the road games are like very winnable. O- ODU, app, Georgia Southern, Coastal. All probably, should be wins. All probably, should be wins. <laughs> right? I mean, it's not crazy to think
1: that like decent showings and you win the next ten.
0: Not I would accept.
1: They're not eight to, and two. but like, they they need to finish strong here. It's also at a point where, like, I don't want to hear about the like lineups and how they haven't had guys. Like, no, this is your lineup. This is your team. It's late January. Let's go. Yes. Yes. So let's, let's see something happen, man. And I think they should be able to do it. I hope they do it. They kind of need to do it because, again, my final point here before we do the little previews is just that, like, they fired Matt Brady because they wanted to make some stuff happen in the postseason and, and be like a more relevant program and they're the same program so I want to see like some sort of reason to believe some sort of reason to have hope I want to pull up whatever I tweeted the other day about the, oh yeah so since lefty dryzel left
0: did I you also was, do someone in those replies said the lefty era wasn't actually that good either
1: yeah which was like I mean I was like, <laughs> man, we're taking yes.
0: shots at lefty <laughs> wow yes. all right
1: Better than this. I guess what well, it was, Lou Campanelli were like the best years, but like better than this. But anyway, since 1997, 98, they have 16 losing seasons, nine winning seasons, and they've gone to the postseason four times. So it's one NCAA tournament, no NITs, two CITs, and one CBI. And what a just, what a crappy two and a half decades that's been. Like it's, at some point, you got to do something. Why build the fancy arena If one of your basketball teams just sucks, women's team, awesome, fun to watch, good job.
0: Men's team, carry weight a little bit, just a little bit. Because you know what this could be. You saw what it was when JMU beat UVA. And I know it was a down year of UVA. And I know everything around that game. But you saw what that fan base wanted to be. They were chanting F Tony Bennett. Dukes do better. All right. Isn't it pretty cool that we were at the game that incited Dukes do better? That was pretty cool. History. Yeah, yeah. History was
1: yeah.
0: made. <laughs> <laughs> I, also, I also love watching that Dukes do better, that intro video they played at the beginning of the game now, and Mark Byington sitting there, and he's like, you we have to be better like come on mark you benefited from the f tony Bennett, chance you nah, can't dude, that be... was a
1: multiple point impact that crowd <laughs> i'm telling
0: <laughs> you and it was what a five point win i'm
1: just <laughs> yeah, saying we need,
0: we need some love for that come on um all right you know some product price, placement here it's time for the three notched weekly preview this weekend men's basketball a nice little homestand against 10 and 10 Coastal Carolina. And then Louisiana Monroe, who sits at nine and 12 on the season, come into the AUBC Coastal 256 and Ken Palm. And they are defensively atrocious. It's the third worst team JMU has played defensively this season, but behind, I believe, Howard or Hampton and LIU. Um, they're coming off of a loss against Chicago State. They're just not very good, and this should be an easy win for JMU. I will say, JMU fans, don't get too excited if JMU shoots lights out from three. That doesn't mean the problems are fixed. It means they're going up against a terrible defense, one that is very similar to LIU in a game that I think will actually be pretty solid, will be the Louisiana Monroe game. They're sitting at five and three in conference. They were picked as the last place team in the preseason poll. And they're currently sitting in third, they're nine and nine against the spread. But like you said, they're not good against good teams. And there's a reason they're 296th in the net. They've beaten every bad team they've played. And their only good win this season is against Texas state. Uh, They do have a 6'10 senior forward in Victor Bafuto uh, who may present some problems for JMU. But overall, these are two very winnable games that if JMU doesn't go uh, 2-1-0, not good. What are your thoughts?
1: You got to win these two. Coastal hosted Chicago State. Chicago State doesn't even play in a conference, I found out yesterday. They're an independent basketball team.
0: Are they in Chicago? I
1: believe they are in fact in Chicago. Yes. Okay,
0: I just know some of those like 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 Jacksonville <laughs> State isn't in they're real, until they're Alabama. Real.
1: They're a real team in Chicago. 4 and O this year at home. 1 in 16 on the road. Costa was their first road win of the season. Wait, they stink. They've only played four home games this season? Because they're an independent somehow. I don't understand. <laughs> but they're basically a fake program as far as I'm concerned. One of their wins, <laughs> though, pretty, pretty embarrassing here. Chicago State has a home win over Valpo. So that's tough. But they are not good. Coastal just lost to them. Coastal's not good. Like, they can't
0: shoot the three. They can't defend the three. They, don't they really can't do defend. Anything. They're 321st they in defensive efficiency. They can't defend. I could shoot. I could score points against them. Louisiana Monroe, they can't shoot the two. You don't even need a shot blocker. They can't do it on their own. They're
1: terrible. Both these teams, not good. If you want to you want to win the Sun Belt, you want to be slightly relevant in mid-major basketball if you're JMU, just win the next two games. No excuses about lineups. No excuses about anything. I don't care if like half the team has a flu. Win the next two
0: games. They're at home. Win the next two games. I dig it. I agree. I think if you lose either one of these two, I think someone's seat should get a little hot. (laughs) You love putting people in the hot seat.
1: Look, (laughs) I was right. I've been right
0: on both of my seats.
1: (laughs) That's not right. Yes. My seats
0: have been Eikenberry, who, yes. That one, yeah. And Coach O. You Coach can't look not. at no, you can't look at me in the face <laughs> no. and say that no. Just was, because he's performing not... well this year doesn't mean that his seat shouldn't have been hot the last three. No, his
1: seat wasn't scorching. If anything, there was there was a slight warmth that we you added to it, but uh they're rolling right now. I, I also
0: put Coach Rowe on the hot seat, didn't I?
1: No, it was an easy one.
0: Yeah, it was, but it was I'm just saying ball. I'm three for three. <laughs>
1: That's debatable, (laughs) but I will take that for you. Yeah, three correct hot seats.
0: It was no Connor Mitchell be the starter, but man, it's pretty good.
1: I think if anything, it lights a fire under the coaches, right? People are listening to the pod. Look at what what the women's team has done since you put
0: them on the hot seat for the fifth time. I will say it was a little awkward with Coach O being so close in the AUBC. I'm not sure if he knows who we are that and dude that is we've, yoked, by the way. Like, more is. not even
1: realized. Like, his back is popping out of his
0: polos. Yeah, someone should tell him, though, to unbutton that top button because that, uh, that style went out, like, five years ago.
1: I think he should unbutton all of them and just lean into, like, ripped coach. He should be doing also, curls, like, pregame.
0: Shout-out Neil Harrow, the former Troy assistant who yes. we poached from Troy to bring to JMU. Um, Big-time win for him, but also shout-out that man bun. I don't always love man buns, but... It's something about his Scottish ancestry and the way that things just up there, nice and tight, really well lined up 10 out of 10 man bun.
1: He was putting on a show too. He knew like every play Troy was about to run. It was awesome.
0: (laughs) There was one point where like they, Jane, you turned it over like two or three times. And I don't know if you caught this, but he went on the bench and he sat down he looked at all the girls and he was just like, they're just going to try and turn you over. Just don't (laughs) like that's all they have.
1: (laughs) They're awesome. What a hire by Coach O. Man, (laughs) coldest seat in the
0: biz. (laughs) All right. JMU football, talking about coldest seats in the biz. Kurt Signetti, you know, he signed the contract extension that for every seven-win season, it just adds a phantom year to a contract. (laughs) Never have I ever seen that in a contract before, but here we are, and I think that could say that he has the coldest seat in the house. But it's official JMU transfers. They've all signed. The transfer window opens back up a little bit later, in that other transfer window, I would not be surprised if we see Atkins or Barnett hit the portal or both. Um, but they've signed them all. And now we're in the quarterback competition time as McLeod, assumed to be the front runner, followed by Griffiths. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. So. Uh, Barnett and Atkins are all battling for the two through four spot. Who do you think wins the competition here on January 24th as we're recording?
1: mcleod has got to be the front runner right because he has experience playing college football and was like good at USF and, and like showed flashes at Arizona.
0: Yeah, and the fact that the other three quarterbacks combined have more interceptions than completions.
1: Yeah, they've like barely played at all. So it's it's a tough one to think that it'll be that competitive. Although I think it'll be interesting if it actually like I've always wanted as just like a fan, like a freshman to just blow the doors off the competition and be like the guy for four years would be crazy cool. This is very hard to like simulate multiple years in a strength program and like learning offenses and just adjusting to college life. So my guess is that McLeod kind of runs away with it pretty early. And then you have a battle for, I would assume kind of in the spring, the battle becomes more of a backup battle. And then however that plays out, I would think the loser of like that three man race could transfer that would just be my guess if they want playing time unless you just want to like be around a really good program and be a fourth ring which like from my perspective of not liking contact sounds sweet <laughs> like you just i've always the held the team, belief you want to parties and stuff you're, you're like as you guys are rolling through the sunbelt you don't have to do anything
0: on the field To be awesome i've always held the belief that the best job in professional football is the backup quarterback yeah. Can you imagine, like, third-string
1: college kid who's just like, y- you, two two injuries aren't happening in front of me? I'm fine.
0: <laughs> that's a sweet thing. Not, not to mention the fourth string. Three injuries aren't happening in front of no, me. No, you're good. You're good. Yeah.
1: That, I think that's the real competition. It's, I would be gunning for that fourth-string job. <laughs> be throwing practice picks like you wouldn't even believe.
0: <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> but I, I thought the press conference was – Somewhat interesting, because he said that, and then he talked about maybe still wanting to add wide receivers through the portal in the spring. They've added a lot of wide receivers, so revamping that room.
0: After who graduated, who left?
1: Chris Thornton. Devin Ravenel. Your two two main guys, I believe, that have left.
0: Reggie Brown back.
1: Reggie Brown, I believe, is expected back. So they should have a pretty good group. Defensively, I think they're going to be awesome. I'm excited. I think it'll be a good year. New Year Six. They could make a run for it. I saw some people, I don't know if they're a Jamie fan, saying that, like, got to get through the UVA game. I think UVA is going to be a dumpster fire. So I'm not, like, respectfully, I'm not <laughs> worried about that game at all. Like, the more and more I watch them go through their offseason, it took them, like, a month to hire a new offensive line coach. That's not good. Their wide receivers coach, who is beloved in Charlottesville, played at UVA, played quarterback and wide receiver, Marcus Hagans just left for the same position at Penn State.
0: I saw that, and I saw some UVA fans saying, I wish you would have been the head coach. Not a good sign.
1: <laughs> not a good sign. To lose him, your offensive line coach who hung around and then decided to leave for an uh, in-conference foe, like just not not good. They're having this coaching staff revamp. You lost your starting quarterback and Brennan Armstrong. You had a Monmouth transfer come in who like might be the favorite to win the job. Respectfully to Monmouth. And, <laughs> and the Jet who used to play there. I'm sure he'll be tuning in for that one. I uh, I don't know. I think they might be like three and nine bad, or like two. Like they may be horrible.
0: Who's their head coach? Tony Elliott.
1: Tony Elliott.
0: Yeah. Does he keep his job after next year?
1: Super good dude. That I think is is well respected from that perspective. Uh, I I don't know that Carlo Williams would be like really intensely trying to get a new coach. But if if they go like. Not bowl game again, which I think is highly realistic. I think the seat becomes quite hot.
0: See, I only put JMU coaches on the hot seat. Here you are putting UVA coaches on the hot seat.
1: It's fans are like, and the UVA fans typically are like, you know, not that intensely focused on the football team, and they're still like, what the, <laughs> what is going on? The Hagen's one's are really, a really tough blow because he's just like, awesome. Super engaging too from a recruiting perspective to lose him is
0: not great. Yikes. Well yeah. anything that you got anything else you gotta add? I think we're winning out next year in football. All right.
1: Basketball better go on a run. Men's basketball right now. Putting you on watch, putting you on notice. Let's do something here. Let's fire up the the I don't know what you're firing up, but let's get some stuff going here, you know?
0: Yep. This weekend women's basketball will take on Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. Both on the road, and the men's team takes on Coastal and Louisiana Monroe. Both at home should be a good weekend. Fingers crossed. JMU goes four and zero in those men's basketball. Really have to pick up two wins as they're facing off against two of the worst teams in the Sun Belt, according to analytics. We'll be back next week with another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast, presented by Bet Online. See ya.